It's episode number eight of the Smashcast as a roller coaster season for the Nashville Predators continues with another roller coaster week. A win in Washington, two horrible home losses against Toronto and Vegas, a shootout win against the New Jersey Devils, and then last night, an overtime winner for Mikhail Granlund in Winnipeg for the Predators to continue chipping away and get back in the playoff hunt. They will go to Calgary Thursday night. We're going to talk about that with myself and Mark Howard because this past week it has been a microcosm of the entire season for the Nashville Predators. There have been ups, there has been downs, there have been players called out for a lack of effort. We're going to discuss it all right here on episode number eight, which starts right now. In-depth coverage of the Nashville Predators in a 104.5 The Zone digital exclusive. This is the Smashcast with Will Bowling and Mark Howard. So welcome in, everybody. This is episode number eight of the Smashcast alongside Mark Howard. My name is Will Bowling, as always. It has been a busy week. Uh, and after the bye week and all-star break kind of coinciding all at the same time, it, it makes things that much more hectic from here on out as the Predators continue to make up those games in hand that it seems like they've had uh, for most of this season. Uh, but, Mark, you and I were talking just before we hit record here, and I honestly think that this past week has kind of been a microcosm of the Preds' entire season. Uh, you look totally lifeless at home in a game against Vegas. Uh, you look bad against the Toronto Maple Leafs, but then you somehow find a way to beat the Washington Capitals on the road. Uh, you win in a shootout against a really bad New Jersey team, but you still get a win. Uh, and then last night, on Tuesday night, you get a huge two points. Uh, despite giving Winnipeg one, you still get the win on a Mikhail Granlin goal in overtime on Tuesday night. Um, how do we figure this team out? Because this has been a roller coaster week that kind of is an example of the roller coaster season that we've seen all year. I just think that's who they are right now. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, they, you know, they've they've had a hard time winning at home. Uh, that's pretty well documented. Uh, and believe me, I love Chris and Willie. They're they're good friends of mine. But I don't want to hear about the pressure uh, of playing at home. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's a regular season game. Uh, it should be easier to play, and it's just not. But that's, you know, that's their opinion, and they have the right to it. Uh, but these, yeah, this season. Uh, the Preds have been hard to figure, yet here they sit only three points out of the last uh, wild card spot. Uh, and the game uh, Thursday in Calgary I think is a really important game because that's the team in front of them. But the other part of this is maybe we make our peace and just say, you know, this team is going to be inconsistent. Uh, they're going to be, but they're going to be a contender uh, for the last couple of playoff spots. And don't forget, uh, the best sight of the week was Ryan Ellis back on the ice a couple of days ago, and that's, you know, that's what they really need. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting now that Dante Fabro is in the first deep pairing with Roman Yossi. Uh, I don't think any of us expected that, no, but that's not. how they're rolling. And Jared Tenardi, uh, you know, a, a, a solid journeyman, even though he's a former number one pick, is on that second pairing uh, with Matthias Ekholm. But the t uh, the the Preds rather are flawed defensively. Uh, let's be honest, still a lot of mistakes in their own end. Uh, UC Saros erased a lot of those with some great goaltending in Winnipeg against the likely Vezina winner, Connor Hellebuck. But, 
you know, it's, it's ironic. This is the year where suddenly they're winning at Winnipeg. Uh, so take it and take your two points and continue west to Calgary, and we'll see what happens. It's so interesting, uh, Mark, kind of comparing this team to the team a couple of years ago that backed their way into the postseason, was an eight seed, and of course went on to sweep Chicago. We, we know what happened. They make a Stanley Cup final. Um, and it's crazy to me just with the fan reaction this year. And I, yes, I know the expectations were a lot higher this season than in most past seasons in Nashville Predators' recent history. Um, but it's crazy to me to look at the stats of that team that made a Stanley Cup final a couple years ago and looking at the numbers of this team, and things are, are, are kind of similar, at least from a points perspective. You're at the same amount of points. Uh, I believe it was one less back in 17 through 50 games than you were this year, um, which is so interesting to me because I think the frustration and where the fans really get upset with this team is when they go to Washington and, and win the way they did against the Washington Capitals and, and make it eight straight, um, which is one of the more mind-boggling stats uh, for the Nashville Predators that they've beaten Washington eight straight times. That is, to me, what's so frustrating about this team is they can look so good against those great teams and then have two shots in the first period against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Well, a couple of things. And, you know, Joe Rexrode uh, of The Athletic, Sort of felt like it wasn't a lack of effort against Vegas. Uh, the Predators just got outplayed, got outmanned, and got manhandled. And he's not wrong. Uh, you know, but one of the things that characterized that game, as I, I said the next day, you know, cameo appearances uh, you know, in the offensive zone. I mean, it was crazy how minimal their puck possession was. But just getting back to your, your overall comparison, I think that team, especially on the back end, was just better. They had depth. You know, they had Subban having a good year. Uh, Pekka was having an incredible year in goal. Uh, you know, and Saros, you know, was having a pretty good year, too. Plus, they were getting contributions from some bottom six players like Freddie Goudreau and Colton Sissons. And, you know, that stuff has to happen in a playoff. Now, with this team, the crazy thing is that everybody keeps saying and it's uh not only the games in hand uh that they've played two less than calgary but the fact that this team has only won more than two games in a row once this year wow and <laughs> you gotta figure the odds are gonna tell you at some point they're gonna put together a winning streak uh i think david knows that poil uh and it's gonna be interesting to see how that formulates his strategy, uh, you know, come the trade deadline. Uh, does he uh, decide to deal maybe a Craig Smith or a Dan Hughes? Uh, and, and don't forget, and I was watching the Bean Pot the other night, uh, Boston University has David Ferentz, uh, a talented defenseman uh, who's a junior, but a lot of people feel like he's going to go, he, you know, he, he's Predator's property. He's the top scorer on, at Boston University. Uh, and that could be someone who helps them late in the season. They also have a forward, five foot seven forward, but that's that seems to be almost all the Preds prospects. The formula: <laughs> Patrick Harper, uh, who's having a great senior year after struggling as a sophomore and a junior. So there are some possibilities that help could be on the way where the Predators don't have to give up assets, and that's what makes. Uh, the rest of uh, this season and the rest of this story so interesting because there are a lot of variables here. 
I mean, I could see the Predators totally imploding. I could see them going on a winning streak. I don't know what to think right now uh, as I watch this team game to game. So one guy that has made a step the past couple weeks, and it's it's a name we've said a lot on this show, is Mikhail Granlin. Uh, and, of course, that's evident last night. Uh, he got the game-winning goal uh, for the National Predators in Winnipeg. Um, is Granlin playing himself into being more likely to be a trade piece, or is this good news for the Predators that they're maybe getting the version of Granlin they thought they were getting last season, uh, and maybe he's a key contributor for this team to get hot down the stretch, or maybe is it just too soon to know kind of which side of the coin um, that David Poyle's going to flip uh, regarding Mikhail Granlin? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he could be. He could still be a trade candidate, and that's why I always say it's never a bad thing when he scores or excels out there because he ups his trade value. But still, you know, right now he's got, what, uh, 9, 10 goals. Uh, and, but I still think he'd be intriguing uh, for another team. Plus, the other thing that the Preds have uh, to their advantage, and they can hold their cards close uh, to their vest uh, in terms of trades, is that the league is so balanced this year. There are so many teams in the hunt that guys like Grantland could be at a premium, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how David Poyle uh, decides, uh, you know, whether to hang on to, to Grantland and get nothing uh, and gamble that the Preds are going to make the playoffs or deal him and maybe get some assets. Smitty's in there too. You know, Benino continues to have a... I think Benino is their best trade candidate. Hmm. He's second year in a row. He, he's he's in the mid-teens in goals. He could very well end up at around 20, which would be a career high. Uh, his contract is affordable. And he's a guy that you add him to a really talented team, you know, one of the elite teams. And he can kill penalties. He can be on the second penalty kill. He can play up and down. Uh, you know, he's a good third or fourth line center who, who's scoring. And, and those guys are in short supply. Could you see a scenario kind of play out as well where uh, the Predators are kind of a mix between maybe selling some of those pieces, but also um, uh, you mentioned the prospects they could add at the end of the season, but is there a scenario where the Predators kind of sit in the middle and say, okay, maybe we get rid of a, a Benino, a Granlin on that contract, but let's maybe buy at this spot? Or, or is it better, in your opinion, to completely commit one way or another and be either a buyer or a seller without kind of sitting in the middle and doing a little bit of both? Well, I think I'm a lot like David Poyle, and that is I don't know if I have a true handle on this team. I mean, there are nights where you sort of feel like uh, they're going to get hot, they're going to make a true run, and then there are other nights, uh, like against Vegas and Toronto at home last week, where you're just exasperated uh, at the lack of, of competitiveness and, and just how overmatched they look. So, uh, you know, David might ultimately look at this team, and um, Adam Vingen wrote a good column uh, in The Athletic saying that, that John Hines doesn't have enough time to really rewire this team the way that he wants. That this team, you know, this might be a gap year where you sort of regroup uh, and then go at it next year, or this might be a team that sneaks into the playoffs, and who knows what you know what's going to happen after that? And we know the crazy stuff that can ensue. And the argument, in, you know, in favor of that, well, is really the Preds have played better against good teams this year, exactly, 
Uh, not name Las Vegas, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But by and large, they've done well against good teams, which leads you to believe that if they get into a playoff situation, you know, as a seven or eight seed, they could pull an upset again and and make another crazy run. So, you know, good luck to David. I mean, you, you need a Ouija board to figure out, you know, just exactly what's in store for this team. But that's what keeps them so interesting. And, again, if they win Thursday – you know, all of a sudden, we're you know we've bought back in and really feel like this team, you know, has a chance to make the playoffs. So the the line for me that is has caught my attention has been this Duchesne Granlin Johansson line, and, and of course John Hines did not hold back after that loss to Toronto and uh, in explaining why Ryan Johansson only had I believe it was just ten minutes of ice time in that game. Um, and kind of mentioning how he needs guys to do work on both ends like we've talked about here in this show. But it's so interesting to me that uh, John Hines has taken uh, two, maybe really three, you could say, of the disappointing forwards on this team and put them together on the same line and basically said, figure it out. Um, and, and so far, it, it, maybe in my opinion, and maybe I am uh, just don't know what I'm looking for, but that line seems to at least not be as big of a disappointment as I would have maybe expected given the way those three guys have played separately this season. Uh, and, of course, Matt Duchesne was was on the record going into this season saying, you know, I, I'm a center. I look forward to predominantly playing center but can do whatever I can for this team. He's been on the wing, and and it hasn't been all that bad for that group. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, listen, his speed, you know, makes a line like that look better. You know, Johansson obviously doesn't doesn't have that kind of speed, but – he told Johansson that his role was going to change a little bit, that he was going to be the shutdown center, uh, and and he needed him to do that. And and Joey can do that, but but also uh, I think Hines uh, sensed a lack of commitment uh, when he cut his minutes short uh, against uh, what was it against Vegas or Toronto? I can't remember. Uh, Toronto or against yeah. Toronto, rather, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and he bounced back and, and had a couple of good games in a row when, when they went on the road. So Hines has not been averse to juggling these lines in every possible combination. You know, he's tried to balance lines, you know, putting guys, you know, up and down in the top three lines and now putting all the big guns together. To me, the other interesting story here is Austin Watson. Uh, the fact that he's been healthy scratched, the fact that the best version of Watson is a great penalty killer, a great energy guy, and a guy who scored 16 goals last year. Yeah, uh, and he really hasn't been present, which makes you wonder: is he going to be a trade piece? So, you know, what's he going to be? But his value's diminished because you know he's not dressing every night, and he certainly isn't producing. Uh, so, you know, that's another area of the team that I think uh, deserves scrutiny. And uh, and right now with Watson. Uh, it's interesting to see a guy that we thought was at, was at worst a third liner, at best somebody they could move up uh, to a guy who hasn't uh, been dressing. He's been a healthy scratch. So three more games of this road trip for Nashville. They go uh, to Calgary, to Edmonton, and to Vancouver uh, on that Western Canada road trip you do every single season. Um, final question for you, Mark. What would make this road trip a success for this Predators team um, obviously, they've been better on the road than they have at home as of late. But um, this is one of the more difficult trips you make. There's a lot of games in a short amount of time. Um, uh, what for you, from a points perspective, um, uh, would make this 
a good road trip for Nashville to continue um, taking the right steps to get back in that playoff picture. I'd say five or six points. They don't traditionally do very well in Calgary. Vancouver is one of the surprise stories of the season. Uh, I mean, a, a major surprise. And Edmonton, of course, uh, you know, has a ton of talent. They've been up and down a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's that's a team that, that has, you know, first of all, they've got, uh, you know, McDavid. They've got Dreisaitl. I mean, they've got, you know, maybe some of the top young forwards in the game. So, yeah, this is not going to be an easy road trip. But that's sort of how the Preds roll. Uh, but I'm looking for five or six points. And I think it's doable and they're off to a good start. So after that, they'll come back home. You got New York next Thursday here in Nashville, but we'll be here to preview that one and preview uh, the upcoming homestand next week uh, as we talk to you again on the Smashcast. More big games coming up. We've said it every single week. I sound like a broken record, but uh, stay tuned with us. Uh, Lots more Preds coverage uh, coming up. Mark, we appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Will.